0: Everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and I have a very special guest host with me this week. I'm so excited, and I think you're all going to be familiar with him. If you're not, I want you to get familiar with him because he is so funny and entertaining. I love it. Um, his name is Swardik, and he is better known on Instagram and YouTube as uh, Q the Nurse.
1: Yes, I am. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tina. I really appreciate coming on.
0: You're welcome. I appreciate you being willing to come on and guest host. I'm so excited about our episode. We've got a lot of good things to talk about today and interesting things to talk about.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's going to
0: be a good show, I think. It's whew, It's a little disturbing, honestly, some of this content, but we'll it's okay. Yeah, it's a little we'll bit of a
1: roller coaster ride, but I'm excited.
0: <laughs> I want to just start out reminding you guys to, my husband has uh, worked really hard on our website and he's like, you need to tell people to go to the website and let us know what they think about it because he kind of revamped it recently and he's really wanting some feedback on it. So if you guys wouldn't mind, do us a favor, go to goodnursebadnurse.com and just kind of look around there, see what just sort of click around. There are some things that we're going to add to it, but just initially just see what's there now. If you have any ideas of something you would like to see, let us know that and just let us know if you see any bugs on there or something, typos or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But we really appreciate the feedback. And of course, just send us a, I think there's a feedback link there on the website that you can hit and just send us an email and we appreciate it. So we're going to get right into um, our little in the news story that we do always at the beginning. So, cute. you and I were talk- kind of talking about this yes. before we started recording. This is an amazing story that I just love. You know, it's kind of rare, I think, to be able to find a match for a bone marrow recipient. So, someone who has leukemia and is not making the red blood cells like they need to, and so they need the bone marrow completely replaced. So, this nurse... At Mercy Hospital was actually a match for a child and was able to donate her bone marrow to save. Yeah, a complete stranger.
1: Yeah. So the thing with me is, I so I was telling Tina earlier actually before we started that I even didn't know as a nurse, as a healthcare provider, that there was a specific type of register. Like registry that you needed to sign up for, right? So the fact that a nurse, like the fact that she was signed up and she was a match and she decided to do the donation is humongous. But like starting from the beginning, having to just sign up for a registry, being a part of that, I think is huge. And I think um, it is really important to highlight these kind of stories because of course you let the world know how special the nurse is and how special the donor is. But you also have to let the world know there is a registry and there are many, 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 many people that need that donation.
0: That is so true. Very well put. And in her case, she works at Cardinal's Kids Cancer Center. So I'm sure she's very uh, aware of that. And so she was on the donor registry. I think the one she was on was be bethematch.org. But she said that she just registered for an at-home kit and received it in less than a week. And she said the actual swab took less than 15 minutes and then she sent it in the mail the next day. And then you're just put on this list and you may never get a phone call. Or there may be someone somewhere in the world who is needing, desperately needing that bone marrow transplant, and they, all of a sudden, you match up with that person and you have an opportunity to literally save someone's life. And that's what happened here.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it really is amazing but i have to say i hate to be that guy but as a nurse one of the scariest things to look at is when you need to vote the needle that is necessary to be put into your back when you're getting a bone, trans, uh, a, mm-hmm. a bone marrow transplant is yeah. insane i don't mean to scare <laughs> no one away but i'm just saying <laughs> it's yeah. a scary thing to see but good for her i think that's a it's an amazing story i love it
0: yeah it's not necessarily just a painless procedure or a completely without risks. I mean, I think it's there's a low risk and I don't think it's that, you know, that that painful, but I wouldn't say that it's necessarily that, you know, the easiest thing in the world. It's certainly um a sacrifice on that person's behalf.
1: Almost definitely. Yeah.
0: But, you know, you can make that decision at the point, you know, at that point. You know, just order the kit Swab, swab your mouth, send it in, and then you know it's not like you're signing up to definitely give your, do, you know, to, to donate your bone marrow, but you're on the list. Yeah, you're on the list, and if ever um, needed, you would be contacted, and then at that time you could make the decision as to whether or not you wanted to go through with the procedure. So yeah,
1: I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot.
0: I just wanted to uh, kind of highlight her and um, and ta- her her name was Molly Ring, and this was a story out of St. Louis. So the Cardinals Kids Cancer Center is where she works. And um, anyway, if you guys want more information about that, we'll put a link for that on our social media sites and probably on the website, too. That's not a bad idea to make a place to put um, links, yeah, to to yes. things like that that we talk about on the show. So uh,
1: just and this, I because I, 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 on my YouTube channel I do nurse of the week once a week, um, and these are the kind of stories I choose, right? Because as healthcare providers, it's our job yeah. to care, right? So, but when you have healthcare providers, specifically nurses, and I do nurse of the week, um, when you have healthcare providers that take the extra step that go beyond outside of their work mm-hmm. to give back. Yes. It is amazing. I really do. And I always, just like you said, put the link for people to get more information, to sign up for registries, all of that stuff. I always put in the comment section, in the description box, Wonderful. all that good stuff.
0: All right. Well, that was our little icebreaker. So I guess, I guess we can get into this whopper of a story that we
1: <laughs> Let's jump right on in. <laughs>
0: bad nurse time. Our nurse this week is Melanie McGuire. And some of you may be familiar with the story. It made some headlines for sure when it happened. And so anyone that's kind of a true crime aficionado is probably going to go, Oh, I know this story. (laughs) Um, so just settle in and listen. I think it's a fast. It was fascinating. I knew I was familiar with it, too. And even just doing the research, it was still fascinating to just be like, what? I can't believe, believe this woman.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Yes. She is
0: pretty shocking. <laughs> so she was born in 1972. She grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey. She graduated at the top of her class. She went to Rutgers. There, she studied psychology, and then in 1994, she decided to go to nursing school. And while she was in nursing school, she worked part time as a waitress to pay her way through school. So while she was there, she uh, working, she met a man by the name of Bill McGuire, and he was in school also. He was studying computers. He had been in the Navy previously um, for eight years, and then I guess he decided. Um, after he got out of the Navy to go to school and he wanted to study computers. So at the time when they met, Bill was married.
1: <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, I know. Well, uh, yeah. somehow, some way, for some reason, after a few months of meeting Melanie, his marriage ended in divorce. So anyway, not judging, just saying mm, the facts right. here.
1: Who knows if it was Melanie or not, but they ended up, you know. Yeah.
0: I mean, you don't know, right? We don't know. No, don't no. <laughs> So they, Melanie and Bill did start dating after the divorce. And then in 1991, they got married, started a family. And friends around them say that they just really seemed like the perfect couple. They just really complimented each other, their personalities. They just talked about, you know, what a great couple they were. So Bill actually started working in information technology at a local college. And then... Melanie got a job at a New Jersey fertility clinic. And apparently her patients absolutely loved her. They referred to her as the mother whisperer. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a fertility clinic. They must have somehow felt like she just had the right touch and were, able, you know, they were able to get pregnant after they came to the fertility clinic. <laughs> they, I mean, that says a lot that she uh, somehow was able to come across to these people. In a way that they just really connected to her, and yeah, you know, felt like so, she had some sort of special. Touch. So
1: I, I, did pick up on that, on that fact. And so she, so nursing is what she did after she graduated with a psychology degree. But I, I it, yeah. it hit me that she chose psychology, right? And I don't know if that's. I don't know because, like, I'm thinking, like, movie scene. Because all of the Like, the story sounds super crazy when you get to the rest of it. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> she chose psychology and then she became a nurse. And everyone was in love with her. Everyone thought that the family was perfect. I don't know if all of this was a facade or if this was actually her and she had a, a crazy side. But, like... It really does start off as, like, the picture-perfect, you know, situation. Yeah.
0: Well, have you ever heard someone say... Have have you ever heard people say that people who go into... And I've heard people in psychology say this, that people who go into psychology maybe go into that field because they maybe have a few issues themselves, that, oh my you know, God. sort of.
1: <laughs> of course. I know a couple of psych nurses and trust me. <laughs> yeah. Those nurses, they're, uh, yeah, no, they say it all the time. And it's it's legit, yeah. though. It's legit. And you well, really... because they
0: have a passion for it for a reason.
1: Exactly. You know? And they can empathize. It makes it a lot easier to empathize. And most of the time, I'd say 99% of the time, it's a good thing. It's not a bad mm-hmm. thing. So, I agree. Yeah.
0: Well, and the fact is, I don't know the best statistics on this, but there are a lot of people who have who suffer with mental health issues and maybe you know minor seasonal depression yeah. all the way up to very major depressive disorders and other types of psych issues so it's very very common and i think that the more we talk about those things the more that people are comfortable admitting that they have problems and get help for it and yes. it's important yes. you know that everyone understands that it is Common for people to have mental health problems, and there's help for those things, rather than just acting like, "Oh, that's something so far out there," and there's like a stigma, I guess, associated with it.
1: Most definitely, I think the more you talk about it, the more other people feel like they can add to, right, and then it just spreads the conversation. I like it. I I like the fact that we are. At least people are saying that we need more in mental illness because it's constant. Everyone has it and whether you know it or not. And if you don't, if you wanted the lucky few, you definitely know someone who does. So it's a good thing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's sort of how, you know, they got started with their marriage. Within the first couple of years of them being married, they had two sons very, very quickly, one right after the other. And according to friends, Bill, I guess, liked to gamble and he would actually gamble in order to try to make extra money. This was like his side hustle, gambling. That's
1: a really bad side hustle. That's a really, really bad...
0: Of all of the schemes and things that people do, I that's the I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone having gambling as a side hustle. But
1: but did you, uh, I, uh, side note though, side note, have you seen the latest Jeopardy! superstar? No. D- yeah, okay, well, he's this dude and his legit job, not a side hustle, his legit job, and he's feeding his wife and um, he has two kids. He bets on sports. That is his job. What? In, in Vegas, he bets on sports. So he's the only successful gambler, like professional gambler I've ever seen outside of like the poker like masters stuff but it is a thing but the way that this story comes out is he just liked to gamble and he would say he would do it for more money <laughs> well
0: i don't know because it said that by 2004 he had enough money to put a down payment on a five hundred thousand dollar home i mean he could have just been lucky though
1: uh, maybe maybe who knows <laughs> i think maybe it's from the computer science that he did but it could be from the gambling
0: yeah it could be maybe his job was bringing in some money and then he, w- he would get, you know, lucky and then was able to, to get some money. Mm. So they did sign the paperwork on the home on April 28th in 2004. And they made plans to, to start, mo- you know, to move into it, I guess, in the next month after the closing, you know, went through and all of that. But two days after they signed all the paperwork to buy this $500,000 home. Melanie requests a restraining order against Bill. Uh-oh. Yeah. And this is like, you know, you you were talking about the facade. This really came as a shock to everyone around them. You know, just... Kind of like wait, with, this is the perfect couple, the perfect family, the perfect home, all of that, and it just the, uh, her going to request a restraining order just shatters that whole image, and it didn't make any sense. She claimed that they had gotten into a horrible fight the night before, and she says, and this is so weird, but she says that he started complaining about the new house, and that kind of makes me think, well, maybe he was able to scrape together enough money for a down payment on the five hundred thousand dollar home, but maybe they didn't really have enough money to sustain yes. the payment. But she says that he slapped her and stepped a dryer sheet into her mouth.
1: The dryer sheet thing was weird to me. I was like, that's so random, right? Maybe it was a situational, maybe they were in the washroom, um, you know, washroom, but Mm -hmm. like, that was super, super weird. I don't know if there was a history with dry washers or if that's a thing or if it's poisonous. I don't know, but it was super weird.
0: Yeah, it's very odd. It's a very odd accusation to make if it didn't really happen or I, I, I thought it was bizarre. She said that she was so afraid of him that she locked herself in the bathroom to get away from him. And while she's in there, you know, hiding in the bathroom, listening, to, kind of listening to what's going on, she could hear him kind of moving around and packing his suitcase and, She could just hear gathering up his things. And then she, I guess she kind of didn't hear anything else. So she kind of creeps out of the bathroom and then he's gone. And she said all of his stuff was gone. So now all of a sudden he's disappeared without a trace and his friend's are worried about him because even if he left his wife and decided well I'm done with you I, this, I'm this i tired of this whole facade I want out of this mess you would think he would answer phone calls from friends especially they were leaving messages you know I'm worried about you Bill what, le- at least just let me know yeah. you would think he would at least call them back and be like hey I'm fine I've just got some stuff going on don't worry about me you know whatever yeah,
1: even, right. even if it's not the wife even if it's not Miss McGuire he would have called someone right if relative family member cousin aunt best friend someone co-worker anything
0: Yeah, absolutely. So then in May, of course that happened um, in April, and then in May, 250 miles away from their home, there are three matching suitcases that are found washed up in Virginia Beach by some fishermen. Yes. So the first suitcase contained a pair of severed legs that were stuffed inside two black garbage bags. The second suitcase contained a head and torso of a white male wrapped in a blanket and then the third suitcase contained a man's thighs and pelvis
1: oh jesus lord that is so graphic That is so intense.
0: Of all the stories that we've done here on Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, I don't, I mean, we've done some doozy stories to the point that I've even had to be like at the beginning, like trigger warning here. I I don't, I don't, I don't want to cause anybody to be triggered into some sort of, you know. Traumatized
1: because this is scary stuff. This, I
0: can't even imagine.
1: Like when I was reading this, like I, I like, I love myself some movies and this is stuff you hear and see in like scary movies, like Chainsaw Massacre scary movie. It is super intense, and I don't understand. Like maybe, maybe I've seen too much on television and True Detective and all that stuff. But like, really, a suitcase? Like, why don't you just dump it in the water so it would sink? Like, I don't. I. I, I also, <laughs> I'm not trying to make her get away with it yeah. or whoever did it get away with yeah. it. But my goodness, really?
0: No, I get you. I, we, we we like to give out hindsight advice to <laughs> criminals here on Grinder's <laughs> Ben. We're always going, what were you thinking? Please stop talking to your jail cell uh, roommates. Mate, yes. What are you thinking? Stop it. You know, you people. It's
1: crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> and this is another
0: thing. Don't, if you're going to kill somebody, don't chop them up and put them in a suitcase. It's probably going to float down the river.
1: Respect. I mean, but like, so uh, just to say... It was, so they found it in Virginia Beach, and I don't remember. So, where did she dump it? Did she dump it in, that's the thing, because she lives in New Jersey, right? So, if she dumped it, so I didn't get, that's something that I was looking for, to find some exact, because she did drive a long way. Yes.
0: Well, yeah, 250 miles, I mean, and it was a river, so I guess it could have...
1: It just could have flowed down, but right. I was just wondering, but they found it, they found it, and they matched it. Yeah,
0: so the when this happened, the body didn't really have any identification, so the police at the time didn't know who it was, mm. and they had a sketch made up of composite drawing, sent it out to the media, and then a friend is watching television... And recognizes him from the from the drawing. That friend, I think I can't remember what show I was watching at the time. I've, I, when I do this research, it all starts to run together. But I know that this one friend said that their heart just sunk when they saw the the drawing because they knew he hadn't been returning the calls. And then when they saw that drawing, they knew it was him. So they contacted the police, and then we they went and identified the body, and and it was him. So they notified Melanie McGuire that her husband was dead, and, and it had only been a month, but. Melanie had already put the house up for sale <laughs> moved into an apartment and gave away all of his clothes which I guess she okay so if if the if in reality he really did like pack up all of his stuff and leave in that way and he had after
1: slapping her yeah
0: slapped her stuffed a dryer sheet I guess I don't blame her for moving on yes rather quickly I that's because it's not like he just disappeared and she didn't you know, He actually left, according to her story. So I guess I wouldn't blame her if if that if that happened that way. She told detectives that she thought Bill probably went to Atlantic City and told them all about his heavy gambling problems and sort of made it seem like, yeah, he's probably, you know, off gambling somewhere. So they start looking there in that area and they find his car abandoned and it's interesting because it was completely cleaned out there was nothing in the car yeah except they found a vial of chloral hydrate which is a very powerful sedative and i as a nurse didn't know what this was so i googled it
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. no ditto no exactly i did the exact same thing i was like oh what is this what is this what, what? Is this? <laughs> and
0: it's i had like this crystalline type substance and it yes. says it's odorless and it is a, a sedative
1: when i look yeah, when I looked it up, it, it, they did say like when you see um, people put the stuff on the on the cloth and uh-huh. they put it over your mouth, it, they say it's stuff that they you can use for that kind of stuff. Okay, like when you're trying to
0: do crimes, like chloroform kind of thing. Exactly. So it that particular drug, so it was a prescription drug. There was, I guess, a pers- that vial. Somehow they were able to trace it back to a patient. At the doctor's office where she worked. Uh Uh-oh. So some patient was prescribed this medication. And so they contact the doctor who prescribed it. And he said he never wrote the prescription and that the signature had to have been forged because he didn't write it. Yes. Then (laughs) they check cell phone records between that doctor and Melanie and then all of a sudden like you know I guess they're looking for a connection that maybe she had had a conversation with with him to see if maybe he did uh, agree to write the prescription and what they found was that they had had lots of conversations frequent calls
1: many many conversations yeah. late at night
0: <laughs> late night calling on the weekend. of
1: course it's a little more than a conversation <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: yeah so it turns out Melanie had been having an affair for Three Uh years with his doctor. Yeah. Now, investigators kind of, of course, they're immediately going to look at him. Yes. And they investigated him and they ruled him out as a suspect. They said they didn't find any evidence that connected him to the murder. But they did decide that the affair was enough of a motive for murder. And so they arrested her.
1: I agree. No, because up until this point in the story, like like you said in the beginning like I like the way you set up the podcast where you don't go with the big murder in the beginning and you build it up but in most of the like the articles and the stories that come out it's literally the title of the piece yeah. um, and up until you figure out that she was having an affair I was like there's not much of a motive and I get that like I don't want to like say that getting slapped in the face is not a big deal but you don't get slapped in the face and then cut someone up and put them in a suitcase right, right. so I was like this is maybe a, a a motive enough for you to want to get rid of your husband or your partner. So uh, up until this point, yeah. I was very questionable about the situation.
0: Yeah. The affair is like, uh, okay. Cause yeah, it's not like she was accusing him of, of years of abuse, you know, it was exactly. Just like had it was just that one argument. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> this is pretty drastic <laughs> for one argument. Yes. And so they do arrest her on June 2nd, 2005. Her trial begins on March 5th, 2007. And the defense kind of tried to make, and they had to, you know, they, you're always like, what are they thinking? But they have to come up with some way to defend her. Everybody in the United States has the right to a trial.
1: A fair trial. Yeah. you innocent, until proven
0: guilty. And they have the right to a defense attorney. And so- some people are like how could defense attorneys do that? But they 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 have to exist or our legal system wouldn't work the way it, not that our le- not that our legal system works that well, but it, it, you know, it's got to be we got to have something, right? And it would never work if you didn't have someone willing to somehow come up with a defense for these people. Yes. So their defense was, well, he was addicted to gambling and he possibly has ties to the mob and maybe he hadn't paid back some debts to them and and, th- and this was their payback. Exactly. Her attorneys also focused on the fact that there wasn't really any crime scene evidence tied to Melanie. No, there, there really wasn't anything to indicate, I guess, that the crime scene, that, that she had anything to do with it. And then prosecutors argued that all of the evidence pointed to her. They said that even the fact that she went to family court two days after he disappeared that kind of points to her it's sort of if you look at it you might think well from the prosecutor's point of view what they're saying is it sort of looks like if she actually killed him she's trying to set up a defense for herself
1: yes exactly yeah
0: so she goes and files for a restraining order and then that sort of yes somehow validates her a claim you know that he was abusive exactly prosecutor said melanie had purchased a 38 revolver three days before Bill disappeared. And of course, that's the same kind of weapon that killed him. Oh,
1: Kawinky dink.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just what? <laughs> lot. There's lots of 38 revolvers. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a blanket wrapping his head, you know, when he was in the suitcase. And forensics was able to track the blanket back to the supplier that makes blankets for medical facilities in New Jersey. And the place where she worked used. Those, those same blankets. Ugh. And that's just one small piece of the puzzle. And obviously, if that was just the only thing, that wouldn't be enough to convict anyone. But all of these things are starting to come together.
1: So they're starting to add up. They're stacking up. Right Now you got the vial of meds. You got the gun. You got the same blanket. And then there's more. I, there's more. I'm, I'm excited, Tina. Here we go. <laughs> What's so
0: funny is that, I mean, it's not really funny. It's just like funny, strange, yeah. is her defense, you would think, that if the, def- the, if the defense is going to do some testing, okay, some like forensic testing and say, you know, we're going to have the the trash bags tested. We're going to hire. They spent money on this. They hired an expert to test the trash bags and compare the trash bags that the body parts were found in and the trash bags that Melanie had given her husband's clothes away in. So this is the, def- the defense doing this. You would think at some point Melanie would have been like, maybe that's not a good idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that is crazy. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Like, Melanie definitely knows, right? Yeah. So I don't know if this was an idea from um the prosecution and then they had to say yes, because if they said yes, they would have seemed guilty. But it seemed like in the articles I read, it was the defense's idea. And if it's the defense's idea, Melanie has to stand up and be like, look, we cannot test these trash bags.
0: Because once it's tested, they have to disclose... Even if it doesn't go on that side's favor, whether it's the prosecution or the defense's
1: favor, they have to
0: disclose it to one another, like because it's become evidence now and you have to be like well we had this done and uh here's
1: (laughs) these are the results (laughs) yeah so
0: you don't do it you know you don't do the testing it's crazy so they did match the garbage bags i guess this expert said no there's some dye that lined up or somehow the two were a match it's not like a perfect dna match or anything like that but there was definitely some enough consistency that that expert felt like yeah those That's the same garbage. They came from the same role.
1: Yeah. So, so that, that I almost, so even though it's like a really bad idea on the defense's part, I almost give that less credibility than maybe the gun, because I feel like everybody buys the same trash bags in the same town from the same supermarket. So that maybe I can give, but at the same time, this is just another piece of a hundred other things that are Mm -hmm. pointing towards Melanie.
0: Not the least of which is the fact that they... Sees her computers from her home, and I swear you, I cannot believe in this day and age. And I know this was, what? This is
1: 2005, so.
0: Ten years. Yeah. Yeah, but still, come on. Computers have been around for a while. The internet's been around long enough. We all know that the police can find your searches and what you do. And she had looked up on her computer at home. She had done searches about fatal poisons, (laughs) gun laws, (laughs) And how to basically how to get away with murder on her computer at home. It's
1: crazy. It is crazy, man. Or
0: somebody did at her home. And, uh, she, you know, her husband is the only one that that ended up murdered. So I don't think it was him. Exactly. So prosecutors claim that Melanie most likely gave the drugs to her husband. I mean, it's all kind of like that, you know, but gave the drugs to her husband in a drink and then shot him while he was asleep. And then dismembered him, obviously, you know, um, and did what she did, hiding the parts in the, the suitcases. I mean, I, for, for someone who graduated in the top of her class and went to Rutgers I had a psychology degree and then went on to nursing school. A specialist. lot of
1: silly mistakes. A lot of silly mistakes. But I, I, I always think that. But I also think at the same time, like when you are going through with the murder, there's a million things you have to think about. So the small stuff that you... Mm-hmm that these murderers always forget seem to be like, in hindsight, like you said, in hindsight, it's like, oh my goodness, how can you forget that you searched this up three months ago? But like, (laughs) maybe she searched it three months ago, and then she waited three months, and she forgot that she searched it and didn't delete it, right? Or maybe she forgot that she used the same trash bags. But at the same time, silly, silly mistakes. Mm -hmm.
0: Just really silly. And it it always kind of prompts us to say, even if you disagree, for whatever reason, you want to do something like this. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. You're going to get caught. It's Nowadays, it's like nearly impossible. You can't cover all your tracks, no. especially when you use the Internet these days. I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible.
0: Yeah. And so you were talking about where she possibly dumped the suitcases. So they did have some toll records from toll roads. Yes. From May the 3rd that showed she drove overnight through Delaware and prosecutors argued that that's where she dumped the suitcases containing his body from the Chesapeake Bay bridge tunnel. Um, she, there we go. she says she went to Delaware to shop for furniture because the state didn't have sales tax. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh, okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. That clears that up. Sure. Sorry. We accused you.
1: Yeah. The day of just so happens. I mean,
0: so many coincidences, you know, mm-hmm. the jury did not agree with her however they they didn't see it that way they agreed with the the prosecution found her guilty of murder perjury unlawful possession of a firearm and the desecration of human remains and she was ultimately sentenced to life in prison for the murder with an additional 15 years for the remaining charges and his family has custody of the children and she's filed multiple appeals but they've all been denied and you know the children kind of get lost in this whole story but What kind of a mother could do this, should kill her children's
1: father? Yes, it's a scary situation. And I was thinking about that the whole time through, because if you just did the math, like, I mean, they got married in 91. And then I don't know if they started immediately, but it said like two years later, they had the kids. All of this stuff happened in like 2001 to 2005. Mm -hmm. So the kids were really young. They were like 10 to like 13, 15 years old. It's a really scary situation. And and I always go back to the fact that she dismembered them. And I don't know. She said, "It like, they think the prosecutor I mean, yeah, the prosecutors think that it happened that she drugged her and shot the, the guy. But dismembering someone is a really bloody thing. I don't know if it happened at the hotel, at a motel, at the house. But all of this stuff, it just seemed like so much. And these kids going through... All of this, going through this trial, knowing that their dad is dead, and then the mother's getting accused for the killing, finding out that the mother got accused, I mean, was the killer. It is, uh, how are you going to, like, how do these kids live their life?
0: And she knows this. She has a degree in psychology. She knows the impact. Exactly. Even if she thought she was going to get away with this, she knows the impact that it's going to have on her children to lose their father. And their mother. Yeah. And so what, how could she do that? I, I don't, I don't understand it. Of all of the things people can do, this is just, it's so shocking that people can be so selfish and do something like this to their own children. I,
1: I, I don't, like, I don't usually like to take these into like these deep, deep waters, but like I always believe that most people are good right and i always say when these kind of crazy really really crazy things happen they could have some mental illness or i'd like to think that they have a mental illness because i really don't want to believe that human beings can do these crazy acts right but i just i i mean this story really just like really shook me Mm -hmm. just because you don't you never know someone like, like this is like the worst thing you can possibly do right and like Everyone thought she was perfect. Everyone thought that the family was perfect. And then she does this. It's it's wild.
0: And it was obviously premeditated. Yes. The fact that she did the searches, the fact that she bought the gun days before. It was obviously something that she thought out. It's not some spur of the moment thing that in the heat of the moment kind of thing. But she did it on purpose. It was deliberate and it was planned. And to me, it just kind of... There really wasn't any, and you would think the defense would have put that up if there was any evidence whatsoever that she had been through any kind of trauma yes. that would have caused her to be, or even if she had been diagnosed with some sort of mental illness or had any sort of mental health issues, you would think they would have pull, you know, put that forward in her defense. And I I didn't see any evidence of that in all the, the research that I did. Like
1: that would, that would, exactly. Exactly. No, I hear you. And I agree because that's... That is what the defense would do, especially when they're getting to the point where they're like, ah, maybe we're going to lose this case. Let's at least try to get her off in a couple of years. So uh, even at the end, there was nothing as like she had a history of abuse. She had a history of anything. So it's scary. It really is scary. You just you never know.
0: Well... I guess that's that was the story that was our badner story we made it
1: <laughs> quite a story tina quite a story yes <laughs> yes I've
0: been wanting to do that story for a while and it, I, every time I'm always like do we really want to do the story it seems it's so gruesome and then you were like what story do you want to do and I thought now's the time to do it I can do this story I know I can yes so
1: it was a good one and like the thing is like I'm a nurse and I put out nursing content just like tina does and like the, when I do, because I'm always trying to uplift nurses, acknowledge nurses, put nurses out in the spotlight, right? And and I always say you get into nursing because you want to help people. So it really, it hurts when someone that is in this profession that I, you know, I think it's the greatest profession in the world mm-hmm. does things like this. So it does really good story. It really, it, it's, a, it's a sad story, but it's, you know, it happened. It's life. And
0: that's part of what we do here at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse is sort of, it does highlight the bad, uh, but at the same time, we, we do way more highlighting of good because we try to, you know, talk about positive uh, things and we, we do kind of special episodes on different issues in the medical field. But I think it's important to also realize that medical professionals are humans and there are bad people out there and some of them are, in the, unfortunately, in the medical profession and so they're going to do things sometimes it's associated with their work sometimes it's just in their personal life they may just like she was loved and you know in her job as a nurse exactly but then uh, this was totally separate from her you know from the the fact that she was a nurse it really you know didn't have anything to do with that so yeah that's just that's human you know that's that's humanity unfortunately
1: and just to tie a knot on it i just want everyone to like understand that it's two nurses here talking about this nurse that did something <laughs> bad, right? So the, so us nurses, we are human beings and we do recognize when things are really, really yeah. bad and when we do really good things. Oh, so yes. I think, exactly. By the way,
0: yeah, so speaking of which, our good nurse story is so encouraging and uplifting to me. This nurse, and then she's being called a hero for good reason, was just driving down the road and sees this state trooper in North Carolina and he's pulled off and... It's sort of, like I guess the lights are going. So it just looks like, you know, he had pulled somebody over. And that's not necessarily unusual. I've seen police officers pulled over on the side of the road. And to me, I always figure they pulled over, probably gave someone a ticket. And then after they gave them the ticket, that person drove off. And then the police officer is still sitting there, maybe doing paperwork or something, you know.
1: Exactly, So exactly.
0: Not that that would be completely unusual, but I guess she just sort of glanced over and she saw something that did not look right about his, you know, face. And so she... Decided to pull over, which is it's crazy to me that anybody would. Basically, I feel like she was putting her life in danger by just pulling over. Yes, to me. Yes. So she pulls over and she sees he's been shot in the face, this trooper, which is insane. So she immediately starts. She calls nine one one, of course, and tells him. Which I thought this. I read sometimes, like I said, I read these stories and my information starts getting crossed. But I believe it said that this was sort of out in sort more of a secluded sort of rural area and so maybe because I would have thought that if something like this happened he would have radioed in and they would be on their way to help him but apparently they weren't
1: yeah <laughs> yeah but um also he was uh shot in the face so maybe uh, maybe he thought it was just a regular st- so like that's a thing so if he was hurt really badly and he didn't know he wasn't have his senses with him he could have just not or he didn't think that he needed the backup when the right. altercation first began.
0: So he di- he was shot in the face. She she did call nine one one. They you know of course they start sending people out. She immediately applies pressure to the bleeding, and they come and take him you know to the hospital. She is called a, a hero, and she saved his life. He was uh, ultimately released from the hospital, and I'm assuming doing well for as, as as he can be. But he's alive for sure because of her. Yes. And yeah, and um, yes, definitely. then the, I guess uh, eventually they, fi- they end up finding who did this and they arrest three suspects. John David Jones is the person that they, the main suspect, I guess, is the one that they, they say it, that actually shot yes. the trooper. There was a couple of other men, I guess, that were in the car with him and and they were all arrested
1: yes um so i i don't know if we mentioned it but um the patrol officer's name was daniel harrell and then the the nurse's name was sharice richardson and i have like I I love the story. Like I said, I do the Hero of the uh, Mm -hmm. Nurse of the Week every week, right, on my channel. And I love the story because I know when I'm in the hospital and I know I have all of the help I'll ever need in a Mm -hmm. um, scary situation, I freak out. Like, I work in a cardiac unit when someone has chest pain and has uh, V-fib, V-tac, I lose my mind. Like, I I freak out. I know what to do. I start doing what I need to do. But I'm like, freaking out. I cannot imagine, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine Tina being in a situation out in the, like, yeah. in, like, the world, like, and seeing a police officer that you know is supposed to be protective of everyone, seeing gunshot um, bullets, and having a his face blown off by, like, just the composure, the way that um, the Nurse Richardson took care of the entire situation, I mean, just hats off. You know, it's just amazing, right? Because yeah. it's a very, 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 very scary situation. And she she did what she needed to do to keep him alive.
0: She sure did. She said that well, when she first saw, saw him um, and she got out of her car and she said, uh, you know, oh, my God, are you OK? And she said all she could uh, hear him say was, I'm hit, I'm hit. And so she she was just like, I, I got to help him. So she called, you know, like I said, called 911. And she said, it's it was really weird. She said, you're sitting here with someone that's supposed to protect you. Yes. And he's down. And so you, you've you got to be the one to step up and, and save his life. Exactly. Yeah. She said she felt like God put her there for on that road for a reason. She felt like she was kind of like placed there, I guess. Uh, and
1: it could be true. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Because, like, without that situation, who knows? You might not have made it. Because, like you said, whenever I see a police officer pulled over, I don't think about, let me pull over. The first thing I think about is, let me get on the other side of the road and drive on by slowly maybe so i can chicken head and see what's going on but (laughs) definitely (laughs) drive on by definitely drive on by so i mean hats off to her and you know all the wishes prayers to um the officer danielle because it's a scary situation yes
0: yes it is and i'm really proud of her really proud of that nurse and you guys can we'll put this um article on so you guys can see a link to it um
1: uh, before we end, Tina, no, because we, we yep. did talk about this um prior to starting, but I, I love that you picked this up. And I also I, I noticed it. Right. um Because yeah. you were mentioning before we started the actual podcast that in the past in like recent history, at least for the last three to five years, there's been yep. an uprising with Black Lives Matter and like, you know, it- how um, a lot of white police officers would be stopping um, and shooting unarmed um, African-Americans and killing them, mm-hmm. uh, them ending up dead, right? And in this situation, it was the white officer um, with white, the criminals, the people who were, um, you know, are, who were accused are, are three white men. And then the mm-hmm. person who saves the day is a black female <laughs> nurse. So... It's really like in every sense of the way, like all of the situations flipped around. It's like, yeah. it's it's the pedestrians helping the cop. The cop is white. The pedestrians black. It's <laughs> like it's like this is the world. It's it's a great situation, a great story, especially well, in this and time. The
0: reality. Yeah. And the reality is that um, I think that people that people get stereotypes, you know, in their head and they it's hard for them to get them out, you know? And so a story like this helps to um, shine the light on the fact that stereotypes are not, you know, they're, it's not a healthy, you know, thing to allow yourself to it's, it's, I'm not going to say that it isn't. um, I mean, it's, it's a easy thing to do. It's easy for all of us to get preconceived ideas in our head. You can't help it. You know, your, uh, your experiences make you think a certain way. You know, if you have enough experiences, with a certain uh, type of person whether it's uh, that you know every time you see a female they act one way and you for you know you're as a man you're just like if you see enough females that treat you a certain way you're going to start thinking well my goodness all females act this way exactly and then For whatever reason, maybe you just happen to see those or those are the ones that are being talked about the most because it's the most interesting. And that's, you know, what the media wants to for, you know, who knows why. But fortunately, I think it's something that we're shedding light on it and. And but I would I would um, challenge our listeners to stop and think as we were telling. And I I'm so glad that you uh, brought that up. I deliberately did not say the race at while I was telling the story because I wanted to see what you know. Just challenge yourself and be honest with yourself. You don't have to let you know say it out loud to anybody else. But whether you're black, white, or whatever color you are, people listen to this from all over the world. So just ask yourself, what color was everybody? Or what race was everyone in this story in your mind as you were listening? Because you didn't know. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything that would give away who was what. You know, whether... Exactly. And so usually when someone's telling you a story, your mind automatically wants to put a player in there. Like some image of someone. So in your mind, was the police officer black or white? Was the person who shot him black or white? Was the nurse black or white? And then challenge yourself. I, I'm not saying it's even a bad thing that you just naturally did that. One time I was talking to a friend of mine and um, who's African-American and she said we were, I don't know remember why we we're talking about this. we were talking about when you read a book and you're reading from a character's, like a first person character's perspective, whether or not you automatically, that person is automatically white in your brain or if you, if nothing is ever said. And I had never, I had never thought about that before. Yes. And so she goes, well, and and I think we were talking about maybe an article or something that was talking about it. And she goes, well, I usually assume they're white.
1: Exactly. And then
0: I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, sometimes we don't think about these things. Um, so it's, I, I think it's healthy to just stop and think, you know, what did you, did you automatically assume that the shooter was black? Did you automatically assume that the nurse was white? Did you automatically assume that the police officer was black or white? And- if so, or whatever, whatever that was, I think it's healthy to just stop and think, um, you know, why did I think that way?
1: Yeah, no, uh, you're right. And I love that you said it that way, because I think that's, that is the issue, right? The issue is we all have these unconscious biases, right? And then when, when it comes up, and like, it's, in in front of our faces, it's hard. You want to, you know, you want to say no, no, no. I don't believe these things. I don't think this way. But it, you mm-hmm. think it unconsciously. And I think the yeah. best way forward is acknowledging the fact that you think certain things, and then asking yeah. yourself why, because that's the step you need to take to move forward from. Oh no, I don't see color. I don't see this and that. <laughs> um, to the place where you can say yes, I do see color, but it's also because my entire life growing up, I've never met a. I don't know, a male nurse. I've never met a black cop. I've never met a... So these things are just built in your brain, like, throughout Mm -hmm. your life, and it's not your fault, and it's not a bad thing. But we do need to acknowledge these things. Um, And I love the fact that, yes, it is too easy, Tina, for the big media to show the same story that keeps getting people to watch of a white cop shooting a black, um, you know, person. But then when you put the light on a situation where a black pedestrian, a black citizen is helping a white cop, that mm-hmm. changes things. That changes mm-hmm. the you know, the, the outlook on what everyone is consuming and seeing every single day. So, Tina, yeah. thank you for this story. I, th- I think the first story was super gruesome. This one is a gruesome part of it. But I think the big picture, especially because he's coming through, is a mm-hmm. really good thing.
0: Absolutely. I love the story. And I love this episode. This was wonderful, Q. I, this was a, a great episode. I feel like it's um, it's been fun. You've been oh, yes. great to talk to. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I Thank you. Uh, so, uh, and like I said, I just, I'm going to shamelessly plug myself. So please. Nurse. You, can find, you can find me in, on, on Instagram and YouTube. Um, and then I'd like to just say that I, I do very much, uh, on top of the fact that I have Nurse of the Week, once a week, I always interview someone I consider an everyday hero. And I do indeed plan on having Tina on as an everyday hero. I too have my podcast version and my video version. And I would love to have Tina on soon. And once I do, um, I'll most definitely try to let you all
0: Wonderful. I look forward to that. I'm really excited about it. we got to figure out a way, and maybe we can do something um, where we can figure out a way to record video. Exactly. A way to do yes. It. And I, my listeners know how I am when it comes to technology, and um, they would not be at all surprised to find out that at the beginning of this show, I was having to text you or, or message you and say, my computer is doing an <laughs> update, so I can't. No, they're not surprised. i stopped even talking about it at the beginning because I'm just like, they're going to get so sick of hearing me uh, complain about my technical issues. I know that there is someone somewhere put a hex on good nurse, bad nurse, but it's a <laughs> technology hex. It's just, yes. and it, they got some, somehow, some way we did something to offend someone. And they said, from now on, every time you start to do your podcast, <laughs> this is gonna- you're going to have some problem with technology
1: respect respect <laughs> but you came through and we did it and it was a great podcast and I loved being on
0: thank you of course. all right well i just want to um remind you guys, obviously, go to the website. Go to goodnursebadnurse.com. Check it out. We do have merchandise on there. We we don't have a whole lot, but we have some. Um, Let us know what you think. If there's some merchandise that you would like to to have, um, we can see if we can find it and add it to there. Um, If you have any ideas, please give us feedback. Um, We really want it, and I would love uh, to be able to tell my husband that someone someone's going to the website and they're giving us feedback here it is i promise root, root. <laughs> and i also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy be a good nurse yes that was really good tina it was so
1: good oh, i really like that that was fantastic that was fantastic yeah i don't know tina i think we make a good team